0: Hello, welcome to episode 46 of the One Life Podcast. We talk about things from One Life Church, but just ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm one of your co-hosts. And I'm joined, as always, by our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson.
1: Hey, Sarah. How are you doing?
0: I'm pretty good. How are you, are Brett? You doing okay? Yeah. Are
1: you, you look like you might be a little bit um, this, overwhelmed by the busyness of there's life There's a lot right going now. on. Okay. Yeah, there's it's a, a busy week.
0: Okay. We've got the Global Leadership Summit this week we'll be going to, yeah. and so that shortens our work week, but it's always worth it compresses
1: so. everything down where you yeah
0: it's yeah. so a lot of things going on in august which is always exciting but my job is to try to make sure people know about it so right
1: and you do a great job at that because wow, i think everybody does know about all that stuff
0: i didn't set yeah. you up to say that but i know for i know that,
1: so. but i hit the ball it was yeah.
0: good. <laughs> and we are joined today by our next gen director um for our student ministry uh amanda seymour hi guys how's it going i'm super excited to be here yeah i'm gonna move this mic closer towards you Yeah, that's better. Yeah, we'll make sure everybody can hear you. Um, yeah, we're excited to have you on, and um, I'm actually going to let Brett kind of uh, set up a couple things before we get going. Um, one, we have a series that's going to be starting um, in October called the Centered Series, and we have some things we're doing with that, so I'm going to have him talk about that a little bit and then kind of set up the conversation that we'll be chatting about today.
1: Yeah. So the Centered Series is uh, is a matchup to our vision, uh, which we we recrafted. Uh, we brought in a consultant a few years ago to just kind of walk us through some conversations and push us a little harder uh, and get us to think more deeply about who we were, what we were called to be. And uh, we came down on our, our vision is to plant, is planting churches devoted to changing the secular worldview of the next generation, which sounds a little unusual. I, I, I always think of it as unusual every time I say it, even though I believe very passionately about it. But we decided if that's going to be our vision statement, we really need to think, how can we proactively do that? And one way was to kind of set a baseline for what that means and what it is uh, for our church and so what we're doing is a series unlike we've ever done before we want, we're going to do adults all the way down to little kids and that includes students and middle school students high school students and we're all going to be studying the same material just to get our head around first of all the concept of worldview period just exactly what it is and how it functions and why it's important to know it and uh, and how it functions in uh, culture today so as we're leading up to that uh, between now and October October. October twentieth, we're we're really talking about transitions in life. But uh, as we're sitting on the other side of the weekend, we're in our country. uh, We had one mass shooting that happened on. Saturday, at went to Walmart in El, Pas- El Paso, and those always hit me hard, uh, and this one hit even harder just because the, the count kept going up, uh, the death count kept going up over the day, but then um, myself and everybody else woke up the next morning to one that happened in Dayton, and so it was just kind of emotionally rocking, and anytime those kinds of things happen, I, I know people are thinking about it whenever they come in, and I was thinking about it big time when I woke up, it was when I went to bed, and I just... I couldn't ignore it and just go with, uh, plan the plan as we had had it. And so, uh, I, I made some comments, uh, about 10 minutes worth of comments, uh, before I started the main message, uh, uh, at our Sunday service. I wasn't alone in that. I saw other friends, uh, ministry friends from around the country did that. And to me, it was a marker of, the conversation we were having anyway we 're talking about transitions to the next generation, and that 's why we 're doing the worldview thing and I think uh, this generation is marked in the same way other generations have been marked by things whether it 's nine eleven or the boomers were marked by the jFK assassination and all the things that went on in the '60s. I think this generation is increasingly marked by this whole crazy and very deeply disturbing trend of the mass shooting thing Uh, and we were talking beforehand about some of this stuff so I want to talk a little bit about that and just as a phenomenon and just kind of let us emote out a little bit Uh, but then also uh, and one of the reasons we invited Amanda was to talk about its impact on young people and then it's also some general observations that she's made over the last couple of years as she's been interacting with our middle schoolers and high school she's got a lot of uh, insight that Many of us as parents, especially, would like to know. Uh, But the first thing is, you know, we were saying before, before we we started, uh, one of the things that rocked uh, rocked me anyway about this this one. I think others as well. Was the fact that it happened at a Walmart, and nearly everybody's, even those of us that don't even like to go to Walmart, end up at Walmart because you know Walmart has everything. It's just a part of our national life, and you, everybody's been to Walmart. We walk in and out of that, and uh, and that has been invaded upon, and other places have too. So you were saying that um, you don't go to the movie theater without thinking about this, yeah. these things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but before I talk about that, I do want to highlight um, that you mentioned your talk that you said before the service. That if you w- want to go watch that, you can find that on our Facebook page or on our Instagram rampage, one life church. Um, and and I, Michael said this in our staff chat and I just want to reiterate it. Like I was not, none of us knew you were going to say that, um, as we're getting ready to go into it. And I found myself in the front row at our West campus with one of my friends and we're both have tears in our eyes because it was so genuine and so appreciative that the church just doesn't ignore that, but we want to continue having this conversation. And so thank you for, um, leading us in that conversation. I really appreciate that. Um, it really, that's why we wanted to share that out as quickly as possible to make sure that people heard it as well but um yeah I remember um the last few times I've been in a movie theater um because there have been a couple uh, mass shootings in movie theaters I think about that and I look where the exits are and those were things growing up I just never did uh, never thought about that uh, as much as I probably do now and um I mentioned this before we we started and it, it might seem silly but for me one that really impacted me um I think it was earlier this year um a Madden tournament, which Madden is a video game, um, a guy lost and he came back after he lost and and shot a bunch of people um, in Florida. And for some reason that hit me in, in multiple ways. One, I mean, for me, I, I like to play video games. It's something that I do. I've talked about that on, on the podcast before and some people who know me know that about me, but it's kind of an escape. It's my escape. And so when that gets invaded, it becomes very real of like even the place that you feel like you're supposed to be safe and escape from real life starts to become something that, you're afraid that that could happen there too. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a interesting conversation and I'm, I know and believe and I'm glad that the church is talking about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I can, um, absolutely relate to that also. Um, I think even, um, as a mom, um, I deal with things that, um, safety things, um, that, I know that my mom didn't have to deal with Mm -hmm. and as you know I go into a store I my surrounding um, observation is way um, alert Uh, and I'm constantly you know looking to see you know is anyone getting too close to my children Um, but then also just in the student world like these kids are they're being exposed to things that we never had exposure to and the fears that they have are just sometimes just unfair (laughs) like we didn't we didn't have to fear these things growing up and that's what breaks my heart is that these kids um can't even go to school um without that in the back of their mind and so it's really hard to watch
1: yeah it's kind of kind of moved because my wife and i talk about this you know i'm in my 50s so I, i remember the day when mom would basically say well be home but you know in time for dinner and and we would go out and ride our bikes and ride everywhere and do all kinds of things that mom didn't know were going on, but, uh, but she, I don't think she considered it a safety issue at all. And then over time we've noticed, we thought about when we were raising our own kids, there's no way in the world I would just say be home by dinner and just let them ride their bikes out in the city and just go wherever they wanted to go. So that changed what now the places that were traditionally safe havens, like schools and movie theaters and gaming places, have become uh, uh, unsafe. And incidentally, uh, we we do live, we started live shooter training last year at church uh, because uh, churches have been on that list as well. That has happened. And so do kids talk openly uh, that you deal with? Do they talk openly about these things and, and the drills that they've been through at school? Or is it hush-hush or is there active talk about it? Um,
2: if you invite them into those conversations, they absolutely do. I know that we had um, a time last year where I sent our students through um, kind of um, like a drill and showed them where we would go in that moment. Um, and then so around that environment, around that time for a couple of weeks, it was definitely of topic. Um, and my guess is, is, you know, it's going to be of topic right now, too. When um, Anytime something happens, they definitely do talk about it um, and they talk about, about, um, I think I think also students, um, and kids, there is this little naiveness that's in them that they don't have the same amount of fear that we have as adults. Um, but what I am seeing change is that they're losing that more quickly, Mm -hmm. um, where maybe, you know, they wouldn't, they would keep that naiveness. Um, like I remember in high school, like nothing could touch me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's more in those middle school years, um, they're losing that in the early middle school years to where. It's even happening um, in the elementary years, where they're kind of losing that naiveness, that untou- I'm untouchable. Um, hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely a topic if it's if it's a, if it's brought up, um, and then if there's something surrounding it, they definitely will talk about yeah. it.
1: Do you uh, is is it an expression of of almost anger towards adults? Why don't you fisk- fix this problem? Or is there that kind of thing? Or is it just okay? This is our world that we live in, and and. Uh, We're just going to make the best of it.
2: I think it depends on um, who you're talking to um, and the different personalities. Um, I think you get a little bit of mixture of that. I think there's people um, in the student world that may be like – super politics and like political and you know they love that stuff and then there's kids that are like what are you talking about like they have no clue so those ones that lean towards um, the politics stuff that absolutely yeah they're going to be like our government needs to do something about this and then you have the other kids that are just kind of like why are they doing this like that's this is really confusing to me why would someone want or desire even that and so um, it just depends on where where they land on that spectrum.
1: Yeah, the the and, and and we're we're approaching study. I did adjust not only how I did the message yesterday, just in response to it all, but I'm the, the I originally planned on doing one message this coming Sunday, and I've jettisoned that, and I am going to kind of. I'm not going to deal directly um, in depth with, uh, with this phenomenon, but I am going to talk from it and uh, and kind of point different ways because I, I I am of the conviction that there's deeper issues at stake. Uh, then I, I think there's very pragmatic things that the government can deal with and should deal with. But the number one question is uh, why is it happening now? And it has been go I went up and looked, researched the data, and you can look at you know there was some random things that happened in the 60s, couple things. Things happened in the '70s and the '80s, but it's beginning at about 1982. It started creeping up, and now I think they've said it was tripled in the last uh, several years. Because so, it's become a part of the fabric. And why is that? What's what's actually happening? And there's all kinds of theories about around that. One of them, and this is I'm just quoting uh, one one psychiatrist who who did study shooters and the phenomenon uh, has has said this. that uh, it shows that narcissism among young people has increased. Mm. Uh, they said blame helicopter parenting or overabundance of unearned praise, or reality TV stars, kids are much more sensitive to rejection than ever. Some 40 or 50 years ago, children wanted to be astronauts or doctors or lawyers. Now, the number one thing kids want to be is famous because they said one of the trends uh, among shooters, especially the younger ones and school shooters is it's a grab for fame. And that's in the, in some warn against that's true. It's a true, it's a trite way to think of it. And you can't just kind of, say it's all that thing, but I wondered, you know, have you seen kind of that kind of discussion? And it's not an indictment on, on the kids. It's just their ambitions change based upon what actually it's, I blame the adults, <laughs> but what, what we honor, we honor fame above maybe over substance. Uh, have you seen any of that? I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything. Oh no, yeah.
2: absolutely. Um, and I, I think so much of this ties, if you, if you know me, you know that I have this love hate relationship with technology and phones and, um, and I think a lot of that stems from that, from YouTube, from, um, Instagram, from those like that desire, like you said, of wanting to be famous mm-hmm. and these kids just want, they want to be known. They want to be loved. They, and that's, we've all, we were built that way. That's how God created us. We are, we want that. And, but it's, we have these devices, sorry, we have these devices now where they have this opportunity to be famous famous 24 hours a day. Um, and so I think a lot of that, um, stems from, from that, from wanting to be, um, seen by everyone. And then if they, they may become, you know, some YouTuber and we've heard, we've talked to kids and we've asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they do, they say a famous YouTuber. And I'm like, really? (laughs)
1: I don't know how to answer that. Like,
2: I'm not going to go to school. Like, I'm not going to go to college. I'm just going to be a famous YouTuber. And I'm like,
0: okay, how do you respond to that? And they genuinely believe that (laughs) that is not only something that they can do, but that they will do. Yes. I remember a couple years ago I had some high school girls that two of them said it in our group going around and I'm like, and we kind of made a joke about it at the time, but then you start looking at one, you see a lot of these kids that are, um, or they go on like a dancing with the stars and it's, here's a YouTube sensation is now on dancing with the stars. And then their most favorite people, these girls, at least at the time, two of them were people that they had just knew from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. Instagram and Vine, Vine's dead now, but it, it was something like that. Like not only are they looking up to people that mm-hmm. are that they want to become that because they think it's very attainable. They just turn on a camera and people will start watching.
1: Yeah, and why not them? Yeah, I mean, why it's not? Because it, it does happen to other people, and so you can see the appeal of it. I mean, I can sit here in my bedroom and do something, and there you go. I've right. And it's interesting. There's a score that I can see right right off the bat. I can I can raise those numbers. I can see my likes go up. Yep. Or I can see my um, any number of those things go up, and it would be very it would be very seductive. And you could do that, or you could go to school forever and take a bunch of tests mm-hmm. and to try to become a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: it's it's a crazy world. I think these um, these kids we are just tipping, um, just the tip of the iceberg of what they are being exposed, and they have all they know um, is phones. All, that's that's all they know, and um, us as adults, as their parents, also we we're not experts at it yet either. So we aren't able to train them, and I think that there is this movement in that. Um, I know um, at camp this year, I was able to. Um, teach a class all on social media. And it was just really cool to see the interaction um, between the students and the leaders and the things and the growth through that. Um, And I do think that there is going to be a movement where not only students um, in this generation is like enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm hearing kids say, I don't want social media. Like I see what it's done to um, my friends. I see how my friends can't interact with me. Um, We have a couple students here um, at East that they've challenged challenge their friends to only talk on the phone. And some of them like freak out. They're like, but I want to just text, and they're like, "No, let's talk on the phone." And so it's just it's just interesting Good. that this generation, you know, and that can that's a whole nother, you know, sure. podcast. <laughs> but like that they don't even know how to communicate because they just text it, um, or they record it, or they, you know, they get on YouTube and they do those things, and that's they're just not able to interact. And so I think there's things that. This generation is, is just missing whenever it even becomes like, what does it mean to become an adult? What does it mean to keep entering these new transitions in life? They're not being developed. And so, um, you have the lack of communication. You have the lack of interaction, um, with other students. There's, I mean, all kinds of things where you may have, you know, bad situations at home um, to where it just builds on to where these kids have these issues and then they have big issues and they go and they do things that are, you know, really bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there was one researcher that I I read that went around to and asked FBI agents and, and psychiatrists and the people who have dealt with these things very directly and was asking that question, okay, these things are going up, they're on the increase, what's changed, what's changed? And she said she heard the same two words, with every person she asked and it was always social media they they just said that's just a a reality and there's lots of reasons for that it can input bad ideas it can uh, it can be the grab for attention but they he said that has changed and again it's not to blame but it's the it's the thing that has changed how we communicate how we think of ourselves how we interact we have got to learn that now I'm very encouraged by already, kids are saying, "Hey, you know, I I I want to fix this. I don't. I want to figure out uh, how to navigate this world." And, um, and my theory is that the church can help with that, like to offer community experiences that don't involve it. Um, my my son and a number of his friends went to a Young Life camp, and Young Life camp, they say we're going to make this the greatest week of your life. And that's their, it's their boast. And I was like, okay, whatever. And, and all those kids got back they were in a group in my living room. And I said, so was the greatest week of your life. They all said, absolutely. And I was like, <laughs> what in the world did they do? You know? And, uh, and I asked them why, and they, all of them literally said that we were without our phones for a whole week and Everybody's without their phones, yep, and that was the beauty of it yep. and, and and so there 's something there uh, that uh, that needs to be kind of fanned into flame, uh, as you 've kind of watched this, Amanda, you know what are some of the things that adults should know that could help uh, help facilitate I guess the progress uh, in that arena because I, I know every parent wrestles with how much am I kid beyond this what what should I do How, how do you uh, how do you coach people in that?
2: Yeah, that's something that um, is really hard as a parent myself. Um, I think um, it's those are waters that I navigate um, individually, just different also. But as a as a whole, I always like to tell parents, "You're the parent." like you're the parent, you're, you're the, you're their authority. Mm-hmm. And, um, having a teenager myself, I know that these teenagers, um, they can act like three-year-olds <laughs> and learning about what happens to a teenager. Um, they actually have the brain like a three-year-old, their brains are literally being redeveloped in those teenage years. And so when they're acting like a three-year-old and they're throwing a fit because you're trying to put guidelines and you're trying to put rules for their, for their, they're good. Um, And they throw that fit like as a three-year-old, just Acknowledge that, and and just push through because you are the adult. You don't act like them, and I tell myself this all the time. My husband reminds me of that whenever Avon and I are going at it because I like to go down to his level sometimes. <laughs> but um, but to just remind them that you um, you make the rules and and be um, consistent with your rules and don't let them overtrump you. Um, and it gets harder because when they're little and you are like, you're their authority as long as they're living in your home. But when they get older, they could actually say no and leave. And I didn't realize that was going to happen. <laughs> and so <laughs> like when they're three, well, okay, though, it, you know, well, that's true. they yeah, just that's stay right. there. Yeah. Like, but so like, f- <laughs> like figure out what, what you want um, for your child and what guidelines do you want. And one thing that like I say is you need to know who they're talking to. You need to know what apps they have. You need to have guidelines on those um, devices, whatever they're using. Um, the more security you have, the better. Um, but don't just rely on those things. You need to kind of do check-ins with them. You need to take their devices. You need to look at them. Um, and there's been studies that have been shown from um, a student um, the ages of 12, and I might get this a little wrong because I don't have the data in front of me, from ages 8 to, well, no, that's preteen, so I'll say 13 to 17. If you, um, on that age, majority of students spend nine hours or more on their phone. Nine hours. Nine? Nine hours. And if you look at that um, and you take that down and you look at statistics of what happens to these teenagers when their brains are being redeveloped, when they have, you know, their job right now is to go to school, when they have all these other responsibilities um, and they're spending nine hours of just constant things being thrown at them, like what does that do to them? And if you just take that down from to one hour a day versus five hours a day, so that five hour period is still lower in the percentage of the nine hours, but you take it um, and you compare it from one hour to five hours, um, you're going to have, I think it was a 92% less chance of suicidal rates and um, an 87, I think, percent chance um, that they'll sleep more than seven hours a day and remember they're like they're like babies their brains are being developed so they need to sleep right and so these kids um, there's so many reasons why these kids are are acting crazy and are doing crazy things because there are so many things that are even happening in their brains, um, that should be happening. Mm. Um, and they're being thrown in so many different directions. And, um, and one thing that always hit me is that when I was in school, um, I could, I, I went through a period my freshman, sophomore year where I was bullied a lot, and um, I was only bullied, though, from those hours at school. But now these kids are being bullied 24 hours a day because they they have their phones. And people can just rip them into 24 hours a day, whether it's on social media, whether it's texting them. Um, and there's no escape. Um, and those kind of things, like...
1: Yeah, I never really thought of that before. Like you, yeah, you know, at least you used to be able to have your home as a refuge. Right. But if you take your phone with you, <laughs> you don't have a refuge. Yep. And uh yep. um, you now, Sarah, when if uh, you've you've led a lot of um, student groups and hung out with Next Generation uh type, what do you what have you seen to be the most positive impact kind of things that you've you've seen people uh, young people responding to? What do they tend to respond to the most or best?
0: Yeah, I mean. We talk about it here a lot, but it, it's still that interaction with adults. I mean, there's something there that because even the idea of them having their phones with them and, and Amanda, I, I think, would agree is they're still looking for someone to just hear them and have a voice and have someone kind of pay attention to them. And when that's an adult, man, that that increases. um I don't know, just I think their value and their self-worth, because if you're listening to them, you're hanging out with them, it doesn't even have to be like all the time. I think people assume that just because adults are hanging out with students in a church, they're always teaching, like we have the Bible out and we're reading it with them all the time. We're praying with them. Sometimes you're just going and playing putt-putt and getting ice cream because we want to make sure they know that they're valued immediately. And I think um, we had Grace on last week and Grace and Abby and I, I mean, majority of our time together is always like, just getting them out and doing something besides their normal stuff, and having an adult in their life that just wants to to hear what's going on in their life, listen to them. I think it's always having more adults in kids' lives, and
1: they actually really do want that.
0: I think because so. It, maybe, not parents, maybe not ah, parents. Maybe not parents, but I think is. non-parent <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> okay. figures, of people in their life that that they can talk to about things, or just that want to spend time with them. I think there's some value there <laughs> and immediately.
1: I saw one uh, just kind of break down among the studies. Again, the the shooting thing is on the extreme side of it, but it's still, it's part of the fabric of the reality we're living in and and, uh, it listed warning signs and it says, first of all, shooters will often tell someone what they plan on doing and second of all, it's disengagement. And this quote just struck me so deeply. uh, the, the doctor who was talking about this said, disengagement, quote, having a real connection with at least one adult in their lives mm-hmm. may be the saving factor just came out with that. That wasn't like an agenda thing. It was like this is something they've observed knowing what they know about especially kids that do the school shooting thing or shooters themselves, their personalities, uh, that disengagement starts happening and all it may take is just one person mm-hmm. uh, to take a genuine interest and in, in offer a listening ear. Uh, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Mm. And so it's, uh, it's, it's encouraging to know uh, that you know we uh that that kids would w- even want that but I, I appreciate the coaching on it's not necessarily parents because man because <laughs> that that does feel a little uh, so find uh, someone else for your own kids if you're a parent and <laughs> uh, and then you be that for someone else's kids maybe yeah. that's how it works is yeah. that is that Absolutely. how it should trade yeah. off Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) And you've seen that. Uh, Any other trends as far as all that goes, uh, Amanda, that that you've seen that you've noticed when uh, when it just comes to where do kids seem to thrive the most and what could we uh, do the most for the next generation?
2: Yeah. um, As, you know, we talked about this as a church yesterday. um, And then in our student ministry... um, we, on our middle school service, we always give the kids an opportunity to write prayer requests. And yesterday I was telling the staff today in a meeting, like it just like, it wrecked me, um, mm-hmm. kicking off a new school year. Um, it's kind of like January for me, this is like the new year. And so, um, there's just this like new, um, just passion in me right now for the students and just super excited and, um, but yesterday my heart was just heavy for these students. And to be honest, Brett, um, I didn't even know about the shootings um, until I listened to your message because I have to do certain things where I don't let things come my way or it will kind of bog me down on a Sunday. Sure. And so I didn't know about all this, but the students were just heavy on my heart. And, um, as I was reading through the prayer request, um, we weren't even teaching on family yesterday and a lot of times our, their prayer request will kind of mimic what we've taught on. Um, but it was I mean, one after another, after another, I think there were like six, um, out of 31 students yesterday that prayed, um, for their fathers and just prayed, um, that one, that they would spend more time with them. There was one there talking about their fathers, um, just traveling a lot, talking about their fathers, bringing home work, um, stressed, um, and, that it just hit me in a new way. And so as I was just thinking about that yesterday um, and just kind of, you know, I was playing on Facebook or something stupid and (laughs) an article came up on these shootings and it was about how 85% of these mass shootings, these um, students or these people um, were fatherless Mm -hmm. and their fathers weren't present in their life. And so that just kind of hit me um, in a new way And it just made me um, look at my husband um, and look at all the fathers in this in our congregation, at our church, like, man, like just praying for them in a fresh new way and wanting to encourage, um, not only the dads, but, um, everyone as a family, like whatever your family unit may look like. I didn't, you know, grow up in that perfect family. So I know as I'm talking to students and talking to families, I want to be sensitive to that, but just surrounding them with, um, consistency, surrounding them with love, um, and, and support in their homes, um, I think is a huge thing. If we can do that, if we can master that, like, I think so much of this stuff would go away. Like if we could just love our families well. And I think so much of this would just go away.
1: Yeah, and there really is a lot of data around that, and it's not to make people feel guilty for either not having father, right. fathers around or for fathers themselves right. who are stressed. But um, never underestimate the right. importance of that role right. and the role that you have, and the um, and a lot of times it's very very simple things. If you if you find yourself getting away from being able to spend time connecting with your kids do something uh, to change that uh, because now I have learned that the time goes pretty fast and, and one thing I've always said that I, I never have once regretted any time I spent with my kids but I kind of have regretted the time that I didn't. And, uh, and so just looking back on things and I know life gets real real busy but you will not regret it but uh, every now and then I think wow you know what I wouldn't give uh, to be able to go back you know mm-hmm. in time and, and just spend that time because uh, and and it has this deeper importance that is surface if you do the studies on all these things whether it's shootings or just child health and all the rest there's just a ton of data out there that just confirms mm-hmm. that's how God's wired us these wired kids to have that input from mom and dad and, and or at least some adult Figure in their life, right. a mentor, that kind of thing.
0: Okay, right. I would ask you, Brett. I know you talked about this, and you know, I, I know we pointed people to the video, but we have an opportunity here. I mean, if if someone says. How has the church responded to this, or how should the church respond, or what's a step for the church to respond to things like this? What would you say?
1: When you say things like this, you mean like the, the crisis of the, the shootings, shootings and that sort Shooting, of specifically,
0: thing? yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I,
1: I think, and I'm trying to process that right now. I, uh, first of all, just the acknowledgement, it, it was very fresh. And we've done that kind of thing before when the uh, the Paris uh, shootings that happened a few years ago happened I think on a Saturday, and we addressed it on Sunday because I'm just a big believer in what people are walking with in their head uh, is something you need to at least acknowledge, uh, but then also you have to be honest about if it rocks your own world. If I, w- I was standing up there, I had planned out everything, I'd even worked, I'd worked some changes in the day before and Saturday, I was kind of excited and then all this started happening and my mind was just taken from it. So the first thing is just acknowledge what's in people's minds, but also acknowledge what's in your own mind. But then the larger thing, I, I'm very concerned, um, and this will be a theme of this coming Sunday, um, it, everything is getting reduced to right versus left in our country now. It, it, And this is a very, very important issue and something that's critical, but we are taking turns screaming at one another uh, from different philosophical uh, political standpoints and therefore the problem doesn't get solved. It just gets reduced to this political argument and then it goes away until the next one and then a political argument and then it goes away and I just am of the belief that there's much deeper issues. And I think the church, because it's supra political uh, can speak to that hopefully in a different way and that's my goal I'm really lo- I'm looking at the scripture and just trying to find okay what would the prophet Daniel say about this what would Jesus say about it what would Paul say about it mm-hmm. what were the, what would the and and I know that people on both right and left, I'll tell you exactly what they'd say about it. Well, you'd be surprised. And I really do see that it's interesting tension and balance on what should be spoken to it. So that's what I'm hoping for. I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but we'll find out. <laughs> but come Sunday and I'm going to take an attempt and probably make every single person mad. Uh, Nah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Everybody but you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'll still be here.
1: We'll find out. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. What we'll do is podcast
0: next week. It will be
1: about the real response. (laughs) uh, See if Sarah and I are still speaking to each other. We'll
0: see. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that's right. We'll see. It'll be a really awkward podcast. It really, really will. Will you tell Brett that I said. (laughs) That's right. Um, well, we kind of at the at the end of time. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to kind of close out with. Uh, yeah,
1: I, and and I am asking one lifers. Uh, we one of the things I am thrilled about is that uh, this this whole thing served as a catalyzing uh, fire uh, for me especially, but I think uh, others uh, in our congregation as we are shifting over our attention uh, for the next generation and really trying to pray and be a lot more. Um, to acknowledge our country and and what's going on there, and I really do feel called to pray. But we were already planning on doing that. We were planning a fast and prayer leading up to October twentieth. That I'm going to invite everybody to do. Uh, but in the same way uh, that we we kind of saw a catalyzing moment in the miserable city tag that Evansville had a few years back. Uh, we prayed around that. But this one is the same way, and I'm hoping to see great things because our our city has seen great answers to prayer, and Evansville's yeah. doing better than I've ever seen it. Still got a lot of challenges, but I'm hoping that will happen for the country and for the next generation as well.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Brett. Well, you're welcome. And Amanda, because um, we have an opportunity to say this year, and uh, one, I'm excited that you came on. It was kind of a last minute, so thank you for coming in and having this conversation with us. But I think it's always an opportunity for us and, and for me personally to say that you're doing a great job oh, and that um, I do value the next generation, value students for a long time, and I'm excited more than ever that you're part of leading our next generation here at One Life. So thank yeah. you for, for doing everything that you do. Thank you. It is a true honor, and it's a blast. Good, good, good. Um, guys, we would um, love to have your feedback, any any thoughts that you're having email us here at the podcast you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org um, and we just having a conversation together is what all we want to do here on the podcast so we'd love for you guys to share this out um, and for anyone that maybe maybe is um, still processing these things as well so thank you so much for listening and we will see you guys next week thanks for listening to this week's episode of the one life church podcast if you enjoyed the episode go ahead and subscribe that way you'll get an alert anytime there's a new episode If there was something that you heard that you really want other people to know, share it out on social media. You can use the hashtag OLpodcast. To ask us a question here at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and I produced this episode. Our music is produced by Michael Robertson and Ben Brock.